You are listening to Books Are My People, a podcast for book lovers, book news, book recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. This is episode 38, and I am recording on December 8th, 2020. I don't understand how it's December already. This is totally nuts. My older son turns 15 on Thursday, which is just crazy to me. Um, That means he's going to be getting his driver's permit this year in six short months, and he shaves, and it's all too much for me. And I will say he is doing remarkably well for a teenager stuck at home with his parents all the time. I think If I was 15 and someone told me that I would be hanging out with my parents in the house for a year nonstop, I might have gone a little bit cuckoo. I've been keeping busy here. I started a new editing project for a client, and this is a repeat client, and it's a really inventive young adult sci-fi novel, so I'm having so much fun reading it and, of course, getting ready to teach my novel writing course online in January through UCLA Extension Writers Program. So you can check it out online if you are interested in signing up. I will leave a link in the show notes. We have an incredible guest today. Merit Weisenberg, the author of The Insomniacs, is here. I spoke about her young adult novel, on episode 31 and it's a bit fitting because it is a novel about a girl who suffers a concussion and guess who else has a concussion me i like to say that a tree attacked me but i literally walked into a tree when i was walking my dog the other day um It was a ridiculous story. I was trying to move out of the way of someone coming down the street on the sidewalk. So I went to move in the street and I was wearing a baseball cap and couldn't see over the brim. And next thing I know, I am seeing stars and having to call my husband to pick us up. Um, So I'm doing okay. I'm definitely a little slower than normal and a little nauseous and a little dizzy and I'm supposed to be off screens but I gotta finish the podcast people I can't leave you all hanging so I'm just screening for a little bit today as I record this and now it's time for some bookish news well you're not gonna believe this But I have more Andrew McCarthy news. I realize that that is two episodes in a row, but it seems as though the publishers have changed the name of his memoir since the last episode aired. Last time I said that it was called Brat, an 80s story, and now I see that it's changed and it is called You Couldn't Ignore Me If You Tried. Personally, I like the first title better, but I just can't believe I'm talking about Andrew McCarthy, two shows in a row. Okay. Moving on. So because of the concussion, I am not allowed to watch screens and I am not allowed to be on the computer and I'm not allowed to read you guys, which is (laughs) torture. So I uh, got a book, an audiobook that I was reading and I started listening to it and I'm not going to say which book it is, but I will say The person reading the audiobook sounds so bored and so over it that it's totally ruining the story for me. So I stopped that one. I got a different audiobook. But audiobooks are fun. I don't consume them that often, but I think I'm going to continue to do so after all this is over. 
Read Pop is Retiring Book Expo, BookCon, and Unbound, which were all in-person book events, effective immediately. This is another thing to take a hit during COVID. They're hoping to move forward with more virtual events so they can reach a larger audience, but I am convinced that we're slowly turning into the people in the movie WALL-E. But I guess online is the way of the future, And I do think it is good in a sense that more people can participate from all over the world, but there is something lost. Penguin Random House is in the process of purchasing Simon & Schuster. So in publishing, it used to be known as the Big Five, but I guess it will now be known as the Big Four. And this is going to be a $2 billion deal that will result in the first mega publisher. I have conflicted feelings about this, but my first and foremost feeling is that the less widely recognized publishers there are in publishing, the less voices might be heard. That's my concern. Um, I'm still a big fan of supporting independent publishers and, of course, independent bookstores. And I don't know that it's good for authors in the long run, but we will see how it all shakes out. When you have more publishers vying for your book, it kind of drives the prices up. for the author's contracts. So I think most readers don't pay much attention to who is publishing the books they're reading, but it is an interesting exercise to pay attention to. So any reactions out there to today's news? Any opinions, ideas, questions, concerns, suggestions for people with mild concussions? You can always reach out and email me at booksaremypeople.com at gmail.com. I always love hearing from you. And if you haven't yet gotten a chance to rate this podcast on iTunes, um, that would be an amazing thing for you to do. It really helps other listeners out there find this very small, very independent podcast hidden among the sea of other podcasts. My guest today received her BA in English from Bowdoin College and her master's degree from UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television. Merritt has worked in film and television development at Warner Brothers, Universal, and Disney. She lives in Austin, Texas with her husband and two daughters, and her novels include Select, Select Few, and The Insomniacs. So welcome, Merritt. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for coming to visit. So where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from Austin, Texas. Things are very open compared to California. So um, I guess we're in stage four, but um, and, and AISD, the schools did close down this week. So there are increasing restrictions, but not like California. I am very envious of her outdoor social life at this point. (laughs) So you ended up on this podcast in a sort of funny turn of events. I had raved about your novel, The Insomniacs, on episode 31, and then posted about it on Instagram. And my friend emailed me to say that she's friends with you from graduate school. So it's really such a small online Instagram world. Yeah, that is the best. It's so funny. So tell us what The Insomniacs is about. So The Insomniacs is about 17-year-old Ingrid Roth, and uh, it's the aftermath of a diving accident that left her with a concussion and a major case of insomnia. So she rekindles her friendship with the boy next door who 
who coincidentally is also having trouble sleeping. And together they try and piece together multiple mysteries, including, and they're intertwined, including what's happening at the abandoned house next door, the mystery of her accident, and what went wrong in their friendship years before. I loved so many things about this novel, but one thing I really appreciated is how beautifully written it is. And I think for sure it's under the genre of young adult novel, but it's one of those young adult novels that adults will absolutely equally enjoy because it's just so beautifully rendered. Oh, thank you. It always, it's so nice hearing from someone who teaches, actually teaches writing. I would have been very excited to have this novel in my class. So where did you get the idea for the Insomniacs? It's funny. I had this friend in high school. One of my best friends uh, was an insomniac. She still is. And I think at some point in high school, I realized she had this whole double life because she would stay up at all hours. And so, but I just realized that she had more time. And there were things I didn't know about her because she was carrying on the second life at night. And then I think it was a, a complete mashup of other things I was really interested in at the time. Um, you know, I think we talked about how this mutual friend of ours has this uh, house and it overlooked um, kind of a, a house where a crime scene had taken place. So I've, I've always been really fascinated about what is happening what you can see from your window. And I think that triggered that that rear window idea. And were you a diver in high school? No, not at all. Yeah, I think I'm I think I, I keep writing about these very excellent people because there was a lot of um there was a lot of emphasis on uh being athletic in my household growing up. As a reader, you have so much empathy for her after her accident because this thing that she's so passionate about, she can no longer do even and has become fearful, as you said. So it's like a double-edged sword there. She wants to do it, but she's also now so afraid. Yeah, and there's nothing worse than when you get in your head, you know, something that you've done automatically forever and all of a sudden you, you can't make your um, body, your mind and your body work together. So. so what was it like having a book come out during a world pandemic? I think it was pretty thumbs down. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was, it was, um, I love opportunities like this because I, I think they're just, it wasn't, it wasn't, there's obviously so much you can do with social media and, um, but, you know, I miss the conferences, I miss the festivals, and online isn't totally the same. And I miss meeting other authors. And it is, you know, you're alone so often in this job. And that was the best part was going out and meeting other writers and uh, meeting readers and being on panels. And how long did it take you to write the novel? It was pretty fast, actually. I would say um, probably about a year. All in all. Oh, wow. That is fast. Yeah. yeah, that was fast for me. And what can you tell listeners what you are working on now? Right now I am working on, um, I have another book with Flatiron that um, is about uh, a family who the parents um, committed a crime years before and the family has been on the run, but they don't tell their daughter their real identities or the crime for her own safety. And so now she's 17 
and she decides to take a DNA test so she can reverse engineer exactly who her parents are. So it's kind of this, that's, you know, things that I've been interested in are, you know, the 23 and me, you can't hide anything anymore. And, you know, privacy is becoming just a thing of the past. So um, that's, that's completed um, with, well, my, my editor, um, I'm going to have to do maybe a, a few more revisions and then that's done. And then um, the next thing, it's always like <laughs> trying to think of, okay, what do I want to, what am I thinking about now? And what am I interested in spending the next, you know, year and a half, two years on? I love that premise. That sounds fantastic. Is that young adult? That is young adult, but like, um, it's family and it, it's even more than the insomniacs. It's a lot about family dynamics. Um, and young adult novels, you know, really are, I think, you know, defined as about young adults, period. And I don't think it's really, really encouraged to have adults be major characters, but um, they are, her parents are characters in this. And I never, ever get sick of writing about families or learning about families or hearing about other, my friends, family dynamics. So let's move on to some books. Merit has brought along two book recommendations for us today. So I will start us off. My first pick is The Harpy by Megan Hunter, which came out on November 3rd of this year. And The Harpy is a bold and subversive novel about loyalty and marriage and pain. And it's pretty dark. Um, It begins when Lucy discovers that her husband has been having an affair with a colleague. She's shocked and angry and hurt. And she is a cutter and turns the razor on herself kind of pushing her pain inward. But as the novel progresses, there is this shift that takes place and she wants Jake, her husband, to feel the pain that she's feeling. So first she accidentally scrapes his forearm with her nail, and then she moves to progressively more aggressive tactics as the novel moves on. Uh, Moments where the couple navigate their fraught relationship are juxtaposed against the tale of the harpy, which are birds with women's faces who swoop down to torture unicorns, and they're birds that punish men for their actions, which becomes a perfect metaphor for Lucy's own vengeance on her husband. This book is sparse and moving, it's innovative and poetic, and it's a meditation on pain, both psychological and physical, and it's a novel about power. I was totally enthralled by this intense book, and I wanted to give a special shout out to Grove Atlantic and to NetGalley for the advanced copy, and that is The Harpy by Megan Hunter. Merritt, what do you have up for us? I have, well, to continue our conversation about um, young adult crossover, um, it's a story. It's a book called Tell the Wolves I'm Home by Carol Rivka Brunt. Brunt, and it is a. It's not young adult, but it won the Alex Award, which is the um, ALA Awards for adult books that uh, they recommend for teens. It is. Uh, it takes place in 1987, and it is about 14 uh, year old June Elvis, and her uncle is a renowned painter. And she's very shy, and her older sister, June, is much more fiery. And it's in the 80s when her 
her AIDS is just sort of the, becoming something that is killing a lot of people, but nobody talks about. And June's uncle is dying in front of them and her mom can barely talk about it. So it's a novel about grieving and friendship. And it, what I love about this book is that it is very transcendent. It's about healing and an unexpected friendship with June and um, Toby, who was her uncle's um, boyfriend who was kind of hidden out of sight because June's mother, you know, frowned upon it. Um, this book is just my sweet spot. The book is about this portrait that um, her uncle is painting. That's how it starts. But it's also really a portrait of character. It's so deep in the details. and But it has these amazing plot devices like her parents, the two girls' parents are accountants. So this time is defined as tax season. So the girls can really, they have no parental supervision. So a lot of uh, can take place during this time of um, meeting up with her uncle's friend. So it, it is a gorgeous, emotional coming of age story. That is one of my favorite books of all time. I remember I bought that book randomly. I hadn't heard anything about it. And it was on sale at Target. And I'm like, oh, this sounds interesting. And I read it. And I was like, this novel just absolutely blew me away. And it is in that same spot as your writing, I think I really do. It's like this beautiful family centered, you know, maybe focused on a young adult, but about so much more than that. So excellent pick. I love that book. My next pick is a total left turn. It is called The Beauty in Breaking by Michelle Harper. So I just wanted to start off by saying that my good friend is an ER doctor here in LA. um, And she was one time she was telling me about a retreat that she went on where they'd hired a writer to do some writing sessions with the other doctors, because doctors are just constantly bombarded with so much trauma, especially ER doctors, and they aren't necessarily given an outlet to share what they've been through. Um, So writing about it can really help. And I was thinking about just the need for outlets for doctors, especially nowadays during this pandemic. Um, And I was thinking about that while I read this book. The Beauty and Breaking. So the book came out over the summer. It's a memoir, and it looks at Michelle's young life and what compelled her to become an emergency room doctor. She talks about her experiences being a Black doctor in a society that claims to be post-racial, but is not. And when the memoir starts, her marriage has just fallen apart, and she goes back in time sharing memories of her childhood, living with a father who abused her mother, both physically and verbally. And all she ever wanted her whole life was to feel secure, which is why she was drawn to medicine in the first place. That's where she feels the most secure. Um, And it's her attempt to try and control the the war zone, as she calls it. She goes into specific stories about various patients that she's had, including one who was flagged as uh, having violent behavior. And she wrestles with this idea that she works so hard to save people's lives, even if they're quite honestly, terrible people. Um, And it was interesting to hear a doctor talk about that, you know, they take an oath to save 
not just certain people, but to save everyone, no matter how awful they are to her uh, on the gurney in the ER. So I think if you're a fan of the TV show ER or ER stories, uh, if you're interested in getting a glimpse into the world of emergency medicine, then this book is for you. And again, that is The Beauty in Breaking by Michelle Harper. Merit, what's your final pick? My final pick is The Dutch House by Ann Patchett. And this came out, I think, this year in 2020. And uh, it is about, um, at the end of the Second World War, Cyril Conroy, he is the father, and he um, made a single investment and began a real estate empire. And he bought this amazing mansion called The Dutch House. And the story, it's told by Cyril's son, Danny, and he, as he and his older sister, Maeve, they're exiled from this house when their father dies and their stepmother essentially kicks them out. So it takes place over five decades. And it's kind of a story about paradise lost and being expelled from your home and from this life and uh, a life that you were, not, you were thought you would live and it turned out completely differently. And it is a very, I, I, I've thought a lot about this book because it, it's seemingly tensionless. And as a writer, you know, it, it, it's, I think the tension comes from this nonlinear, it goes back and forth between the decades. And so you get a little bit of information and then a little bit more, it feeds you slowly, but really uh, it's about, you care about the characters and also uh, it, they, it sold in the book jacket is a dark fairy tale. So I've thought a lot about that. Okay, well, what, you know, you have the stepmother who takes everything from these kids and maybe it's reading towards, is there going to be some fairness? Is this going to happen um, where there's some redemption and the stepmother gets what's coming to her, but it's also this paradise lost. And I think this yearning that the reader has, uh, that you're so aligned with these, these two at first, these children and, and, through their adulthood, delayed adulthood. So it's a beautiful book. It's, um, oh, and I found this quote where Ann Patchett said, you know, I've been writing the same book my whole life. You're in one family and all of a sudden you're in another family and it's not your choice and you can't get out. And for anyone who's read Commonwealth, you know, this is also all of her books. They, I love thinking of them, that they go together. So again, it's The Dutch House by Ann Patchett. That has been on my to-read list, but I haven't gotten around to it. I did talk about her memoir on this podcast at some point, but yeah, I really want to read that. I've heard fantastic things. My last pick is Here is the Beehive by Sarah Crossan, which came out on November 17th of this year. And it's another book about infidelity. I seem to be working on a theme here this week. This is a subtle and moving novel about a woman, Anna, who works as an estate lawyer and executor of people's wills. Anna has been having an affair for years with a married man, and he is her client. Um, He came to her to write his will years ago. And one day, the wife of this man walks into her office and tells Anna that he's died and she needs help with his will. So Anna is, of course, in shock at the news, um, but she has to hide her shock and sorrow from the wife. The narrative reels back in time with 
memories and fragments from their affair together, how they met, how they fought, what promises were made over the course of the relationship. And Anna decides against better judgment to really befriend the wife and try and be a comfort to her, all the while not revealing that she had an ongoing affair with her husband. So this is a beautiful book written in sparse and poetic ruminations on this seminal moment in her life. It's also an honest look at grief and loss. And I happened to read this on the heels of the novel Monogamy by Sue Miller, also about infidelity. And it was as though these two novels were really in conversation with one another. In monogamy, it's about the wife who finds out that her husband was having an affair once he dies. So if you can handle a whole lot of infidelity, um, you could read these books together. It actually, it, it worked well to pair them together. So that was Here is the Beehive by Sarah Crossan. And that is all for the books this week. But before you leave us, what are you going to be reading next? I am reading um, Friends and Strangers by J. Courtney Sullivan. So uh, I'm working on, I just started that. I think I'm on chapter two. I like that book. I like that book a lot. Up next for me is Plain Bad Heroines by Emily M. Danforth, which I started reading from the library a few days ago, and I loved it so much I ran out and got a hard copy that I'm going to save for winter break. So thank you so much for stopping by, Merritt. It's been a pleasure having you. Everyone go out and buy a copy of The Insomniacs. And if people want to find you out on social media, where can they go? They're mostly on Instagram. So, and it's my name and, um, yeah, mostly active there. I will definitely put a link in the show notes to your Instagram handle and all of the books that we've talked about today are listed in the show notes section and at booksaremypeople.com with a link through to my bookshop.org store, Books Are My People. So I will see everyone in two weeks and I hope you all have a wonderfully bookish week. <laughs>